Welcome to the 15th NISO Experience Session. I'm NISO's President-Elect, Dr. Ken Webb. I'm also proud to serve on this year's NISO Experience Planning Committee. We are pleased to bring a session from Dr. Neil Kravitz to our NISO Experience attendees. Dr. Kravitz's session is entitled, A Collection of My Favorite Clinical Pearls, where he will share invaluable personal experiences that he has implemented into his practice. Before we start the session, allow me to introduce our friend, Dr. Neil Kravitz. Dr. Kravitz is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics, a member of the Edward Angeliner Society, and associate editor for the Journal of Clinical Orthodontics. Dr. Kravitz is a graduate of Columbia University and went to dental school and received his orthodontic training at the University of Pennsylvania. He is also a prolific writer for numerous journals. Dr. Kravitz lectures throughout the country and internationally on treatment planning, biomechanics, practice management, and ethics. Dr. Kravitz, thank you for being here today to share your clinical pearls with us. Thank you guys so much. What a huge honor. I'm gonna share my screen right now. Such an honor to be here. Ken, you are a great friend. And uh, for all those who are listening, um, at NISO today. Uh, what a huge honor to be here um, for such an important meeting. It means a great deal anytime someone spends their time with me. I know how hard it is to take moments away from work. So I really hope this presentation is fun, is valuable. It's also hard when you listen to a talk to take home uh, good clinical information. But anytime I speak, it's very important to me that you're able to take home a lot of great information. So sit back and enjoy it, take notes, take screenshots. Uh, but this is a collection of my favorite clinical pearls. It is a mission of mine to improve the way orthodontists treat one another. I always say that we are colleagues and not competitors. And the essence of a clinical pearl is to share. It means you have this idea that you can't wait to let other people know about. And uh, I hope that you're able to enjoy this collection of clinical pearls and implement them immediately in your practice. For those um, who are unaware, I am the associate editor uh, for the Journal of Clinical Orthodontist with a focus on pearls, on the pearls section. Uh, so I get to review all the pearls that are submitted to the JCO. Uh, and I encourage you to write uh, for the JCO. And if you have any pearls that you want to share, uh, please let me know. And hopefully we can get those published. Uh, the definition of a pearl is an easy to apply clinical technique. So we'll just be talking about clinical techniques. And this presentation is appropriate for doctors and staff members. So for all the staff that are listening today, uh, your orthodontist loves you so much. I know it, and hopefully you can take some of these pearls and, and maybe use them in your practice to make a procedure or a step a little bit easier. The resources that I'm going to use are articles from the last five years in the JCO. So some of these pearls are mine, but many of them are not. Many of these are pearls from other authors that I really wanna take time to highlight. So every day I share a clinical pearl, but uh, there's so many amazing orthodontists out there who have so many brilliant ideas. And this presentation is about giving those doctors credit. Uh, and the goal is that you can take these tech techniques home right away. Uh, please support NISO, please support the JCO. If you see a yellow box around my slide or around an image in the slide, that is a clue to the audience member to pay attention. I think that is a key point that I'm trying to, uh, trying to make. 
So my all-time greatest favorite uh, clinical pearl of ever <laughs> is uh, from Dr. Nicosesis, the sash attachment. Uh, we all know Jonathan Nicosesis, who is a wonderful orthodontist in Princeton, New Jersey, also a dear friend, uh, just a great teacher. And his pearl is about helping lateral incisor rotation. Laterals uh, traditionally struggle to rotate within the aligner. The tooth just slips uh, and fails to truly uh, grab the plastic and get sufficient rotation. So what Jonathan does is he takes a horizontal beveled attachment that's gingivally beveled, and he rotates it at a 45 um, uh, he rotates it at a, at a 45 degree angle. And the goal is to catch the pushing vector on that lateral incisor. We're gonna use a four millimeter long attachment, 1.5 millimeter tall. And here's a nice description of it, four millimeters by 1.5 by 1.25. We're gonna rotate that attachment 45 degrees. I like to put this attachment on the junction of the incisal and middle one-third or the incisal one-third. Don't let the software put that attachment too high up where the plastic is weak. And this is that sash, that beauty queen sash attachment that is used for lateral incisor rotation. It gives you also nice extrusion and rotation. So remember the Nicosesis sash attachment, which is a horizontal beveled attachment, four millimeters long, 45 degree angles angulated at the uh, junction of the incisal one third for lateral incisor rotation. Now, a great thing about this is you can use a sash in the posterior region too. Now, you'll see horizontal beveled attachments uh, when you are correcting deep bites. Uh, so a lot of times you will use these attachments to prevent a liner liftoff or to maintain a liner anchorage. But if you have a tooth that you are trying to extrude and rotate, you can simply take your horizontal bevel and sash it, and that'll help you extrude and rotate. Now, these are uh, horizontal beveled attachments, but I want you to know about the newest attachment that just came out recently called the eighth generation attachment or Invisalign G8. What Invisalign G8 functions to do is work on lower incisor intrusion or deep bite correction, but also work on posterior arch expansion. This is important. And what you can see is expansion support is the second most important uh, movement now uh, with Invisalign uh, only after uh, premolar extractions. Now, why is this important? because the Invisalign G8 attachments, which look pretty similar to those Invisalign G5 dome-shaped attachments, but these attachments are to add uh, and control that added buccal root torque that we are putting in teeth that are being expanded. But with Invisalign G8, the newest version, they actually create the sash for you. So Invisalign G8 takes those attachments and they actually have a rotational version. So if you want to expand or extrude and you need to rotate, you won't have to do it manually on ClinCheck Pro. The newest version of Invisalign, which just came out, has created its own rotational version. 
this is one of the things that separate the Invisalign G8 attachment from the deep bite attachment, the Invisalign G5, which looks pretty similar. Sticking with Invisalign, let's go over another pearl that I love. And this is how to use Invisalign to create lingual tongue spurs. Many of us use Invisalign to close anterior open bites. Invisalign is very good with posterior tooth impaction. And we prefer Invisalign or clear aligners when dealing with anterior dental open bites. But to add a uh, component to uh, treat the tongue, what you can do is create lingual tongue spurs. Now, one method is to simply have cutouts on the lingual surface and bond tongue spurs. But another method is to use this technique. And what the uh, author is doing is stacking horizontal attachments. You can see there's a few attachments stacked, two or three of them stacked. Now, they are not going to be filled. Rather, the orthodontist takes a burr and opens up the well and creates little spikes. So now you have Invisalign with its own built-in tongue tamers. So these are attachment wells that are opened uh, with a handpiece and a burr, not filled. We're not going to fill them. And the key that I want you to get from this uh, pearl is that he is stacking, he or she is stacking attachments to create a nice bump to eventually open up to create the own plastic spikes. Um, another variation of uh, this is to use a um, occlusal uh, uh, attachment well to create a functional turbo. This is a pearl taught to me by Dr. Scott Frey, where he is not uh, going to fill these occlusal turbos. You can see those yellow turbos, but he's actually going to use the turbos to actually work like a twin block appliance. So if you are running class two or class three elastics, you can put turbos on the occlusal and use them almost like a twin block to help disarticulate the occlusion and help correct an anterior posterior discrepancy. So just because you place attachments uh, or, or, or in the software doesn't mean you need to fill them. Sticking again with Invisalign, here's a wonderful uh, article um, uh, by Dr. Seta on how to avoid uh, the Invisalign aligner from folding in on you. Now it's very common when you have a patient who has undercuts that happen from crowns. This patient has a, um, an implant. But if we go back, you will see that this patient um, uh, has a crown and an implant on the lower left six. And we are worried that the Invisalign will fold underneath that crown. And it's, it's very frustrating when that happens because what happens is the patient can't seat the aligner, the aligner folds inward, uh, and then the patient never fully seats it in the posterior region and you have to use your fingernails and unfold the aligner. And to avoid this, uh, what Dr. Seta is doing is he's instructing the Invisalign software to raise the gingiva. This is artificially. He's telling the software, raise the gingiva uh, so the crown is shorter. And what we're doing is preventing this undercut from forming. So here's what we don't want. We don't want a patient who uh, has a, a pontic or a crown uh, from getting this undercut in the tray because when they try to seat the tray, the tray folds as you see on the right of the screen. To avoid this from happening, program in the software to raise the gingiva 
uh, and that'll prevent that undercut from forming. Very smart pearl, but I could set up. You can also use this pearl when the software uh, does not give you enough of a cutout. So for example, in Invisalign 5, a lot of times they will not let you place cutouts, or sometimes you want to bond brackets and the cutouts are not big enough for your brackets or tubes. So one way to override the software is to extend the gingiva, program it, say, I want more gums, and lower the gums. And essentially, when they cut out the plastic, they're going to have a huge cutout for you to place buttons or brackets or tubes, whatever you need to do. So in summary, if you have a crown, uh, prevent an undercut by raising the gingiva. But you can also use the same pearl if you need to bond a bracket or a tube and the software will not create a cutout that is large enough. Just drag the gingiva down, use that when you type in your instructions, uh, and this will give you a artificial cutout. Uh, one of my favorite pearls, again, by Dr. Um, uh, by, by Dr. Seta is the uh, precision aligner button. And what we're seeing here is he actually invented a button that is made just for uh, clear aligners. This will work with clarity aligners. This will work with Invisalign aligners. We prefer buttons on our lower sixes when we're running class two elastics. I do like the precision hook in the upper arch, even though he does have a plastic version of this button. So in our office, we use these large precision uh, buttons, which are great for the Invisalign uh, cutouts and they fit perfectly in that large dome shape. One of my favorite Invisalign pearls is hybrid mechanics. Tim Wheeler had a great line he used uh, almost uh, 10 or 15 years ago where he said Invisalign should not be limited to plastic aligners alone, which means it's not a failure if you have to use Invisalign with an expander or with a functional appliance or with partial braces. So here we have a patient with an upper right seven that's rotated in crossbite and the uh, orthodontist is using partial braces to bring that tooth into the arch. We call this hybrid technique using both Invisalign and braces. I use hybrid mechanics all the time in my practice. If I have a case that's very complicated where the patient wants Invisalign, maybe an extraction case, uh, maybe a case where I have to extrude a canine, I may tell the patient, you know, give me three, four, five months in braces, and then we can transition over to Invisalign. So we do hybrid mechanics all the time. We don't charge more for it, but I'm a huge believer of combining Invisalign with fixed appliances. So here's a case from my office just last week where we have an impacted lower right uh, five and we are doing hybrid mechanics where I cut away some of the plastic. I bonded three brackets. We will extrude that premolar and then we will scan for new lower aligners. Simple hybrid mechanics. Here's one example of hybrid mechanics that I talked about at the AO a few months ago. Here we have a patient with a class two division one malocclusion. Now there's nothing wrong using Invisalign MA, but I don't prefer using that in my practice. Rather, what I like to do is use a Mara appliance or whatever functional appliance that you prefer. And then I will have upper Invisalign five to five. I don't use lower Invisalign while I'm running a functional appliance because remember these functional appliances all have lower holding arches that are touching the cingulums. So it doesn't work really well 
with lower Invisalign. But this patient is actually wearing a Mara with Invisalign up top. Now, when you're ready to remove the appliance, a couple things here. After you remove the functional appliance, once your class two is corrected, make sure to take an impression for upper and lower Essex as you scan for your upper and lower Invisalign refinement. If you don't make Essex retainers, the teeth will settle within those six weeks before the aligners come and your new Invisalign will not fit. So in summary, what I'm doing when I have a class two patient, I am gonna be wearing a functional appliance with upper Invisalign five to five. I won't use any rests in the upper arch, upper Invisalign five to five, no lower Invisalign. When I'm ready to remove the functional appliance, I take out the functional appliance, I give upper and lower Essex retainers, and I scan for upper and lower Invisalign. And this is obviously Invisalign team that we're talking about. Now, one of my great phase one pearls comes from Dr. Uh, Wetzel Gallagher. Uh, Dr. Gallagher is uh, a wonderful orthodontist in Maryland, and she shows what we call a maxillary expansion bite plate. This is an expander with a bite plate combined. And her thoughts were, a lot of times when you're dealing with these retronathic patients who have narrow arches, is you're dealing not only with transverse, but you're dealing with a vertical problem. And uh, an expander um, is insufficient because when you put the upper braces on the teeth, you have to put those lower braces on the teeth to correct the deep bite. And a lot of times the patients just bite those brackets off. So what she is doing is using a Haas expander and creating an anterior bite plate. It's a split bite plate that extends anteriorly. She's using clear acrylic. Uh, and what we're doing is opening the bite and you'll get some uh, lower incisor intrusion from it. And you can also put lower brackets on if you bracket in the first phase. In our office, we use the appliance without brackets and it works equally well. So this is a Haas expander with a split anterior bite plate component from, from Dr. Gallagher-Wetzel. Uh, highly recommend you using this in your practice. You can use a Hyrax, uh, but it works a little bit better with a Haas design. So here's photos from my practice. We have a narrow arch and a deep bite, and we are using a Haas expander with an anterior bite plate component to address the transverse and the vertical at the same time. Highly encourage you to try that on your phase one narrow deep bite patients. Great phase one pearl comes from Dr. Teeters where he takes an expander and combines it with a halterman appliance. So previously we talked about taking an expander and combining it with a bite plate. This is an expander combined with a halterman appliance. This is a way to create transverse expansion and correction of ectopic molars. And what Dr. Teeters is doing, Dr. Teeters is doing, is uh, using a expander with bands on the upper E's, and he has a halterman extension coming from those upper E's. And as he expands the upper arch, he's also kicking back the ectopic upper first molars. There's buttons bonded to the occlusal of those teeth. You can see he's actually added a separator between the uh, uh, ectopic first molar and the um, second uh, deciduous molar. I don't use a separator, but I think it's a wonderful uh, additional pearl. This is a photo from my office where I'm using the Teeters Halterman Hyrax. 
I have bands on my upper E's. I like to add rests on the upper D's. I do so because a lot of times the E's are partially resorbed. So I like to add rests on the upper D's. I have a halterman component on the upper right side and I'm expanding and kicking back that molar. Now this works very well with the new metal 3D printed appliances because the metal 3D printed appliances use those saddle bands or those pads, some people call them island bands, or those bands that don't go interproximal. So metal printed uh, expanders work beautiful with ectopic molars because you're not using interproximal bands. But try the Teeter's Halterman Hyrax and try the Gallagher expansion bite plate for your phase one cases. Here we are with good correction and uh, good expansion. Now, staying with the phase one theme here, uh, this was a great uh, technique by uh, Jeff Lee, where he is treating a mild class three patient with elastics and a lower Essex retainer. Now, if you, were, um, uh, if you recall, I mentioned that when I am dealing with impacted canines, I don't like to use a protraction face mask because I have theories that the protraction face mask can worsen the canine impaction by moving the entire uh, posterior segment uh, anteriorly and worsen the impaction. Um, so this is a way to keep the forces minimal to avoid that from happening. And what Jeff is doing is using an upper expander. He's putting buttons on the lower twos. Now I put buttons on the lower C's, but he's putting buttons on the lower twos. And most importantly, he's putting an Essex retainer over top the lower arch to prevent the teeth from extruding from the elastics, and he's running rubber bands from the upper expander to the lower buttons. So here we are in our office doing something similar. We have an upper expander, and I'm using buttons on my lower canines, and I have a lower Essex retainer. And I'm doing this because this patient has an impacted upper left canine, and I don't want to worsen the impaction. Okay, so we have a expander, we have our lower Essex with the cutouts in the lower deciduous canine region. And we're gonna be running early light class three elastics. We have that ectopic canine. I wanna make sure my forces aren't too heavy. And the patient comes back. This is that, that risk that I talked about. I don't want that upper protraction face mask with heavy forces worsening my canine impaction. So the patient comes back and we have a nice overbite correction and look, the canine has also safely erupted in the mouth using an open exposure technique. Okay, so this is what we like to do in our office for mild class threes, upper expander with hooks, lower uh, Essex with buttons on the lower C's. You could use the lower twos as Dr. Lee did and light class three elastics. Uh, it's an alternative uh, to maybe doing a protraction face mask in mild cases. And I did it in this case because the patient had an ectopic canine and I wanted to make sure I didn't worsen the impaction. Here's also a cool little pearl. Here's a patient who needed a bonded expander and bonded expanders can be very messy. Uh, so what they're doing is using a hinge where they're connecting the acrylic to the expander. So it really is a banded expander, a protraction face mask. A lot of times people like bonded expanders for protraction face masks to open the bite, 
but they're not gluing the acrylic component on the teeth. They are banding the teeth. And when they're done with the acrylic component, they will simply remove that component. So it has the uh, bonded component connected with a hinge on the bands. I thought this was a brilliant pearl uh, to consider. Um, a lot of times you have to drill uh, your bonded expanders and all the cement off the teeth. Here's a case from my office that I'm gonna show you right now. This patient presented about a month ago. Here's a patient with severe crowding uh, and a high plane angle. She had a bonded expander and she will also undergo serial extractions. But when I take out her bonded expander, you can see all the, all the glue and all the bleeding and then the deciduous tooth loss that happens. Very traumatic for a parent and for a child. So try this expander if you like to use bonded expanders. It's a banded expander with a hinge bonded acrylic pad, uh, something to consider. One of my all-time favorite pearls uh, comes from Jane, uh, in which they are using a um, soft resin material to correct a pseudo class three occlusion. A pseudo class three occlusion or a single tooth uh, crossbite happens when the upper incisors erupt lingually and you have an anterior dental crossbite and that trauma from the upper incisor on the lower incisor causes attachment loss. So rather than placing upper and lower two by fours and there's nothing wrong with doing so, this doctor is placing a blue lock, a band lock, a blue band lock on the teeth and beveling it to help jump the crossbite. I prefer Bandlock. I actually use Triad Gel. Triad Gel has been discontinued, but hopefully Paul Gangy comes up with a substitute. But I prefer using uh, Bandlock or Triad Gel versus using flowable or uh, uh, bracket composite because uh, flowable and bracket composite have ports in it. So it is Ultra Bandlock, but not as much. Uh, Ultra Bandlock is called a compomer. It's a glass ionomer cement and a composite. But using composites uh, have a lot of ports in it, even the flowables, because they don't want bracket flotation and you can get some wear on the opposing tooth. So you wanna use a soft material. So here's a case for my practice where the patient has a pseudo class three. We use uh, triad gel. Triad gel is just methacrylate and I beveled it. And within one appointment, we jumped the bite. This is only after three months. The parent was thrilled. We never charged for this. I've since treated the entire family uh, at our practice because the parent was so happy with the service. So we call this phase 0.5 or phase free 99. Uh, we do not charge for these minimal interceptive phases. And here we are taking the triad gel, but this could also be ultra band lock. Uh, I use a LPOP. I apply the, uh, the composite or the resin and I am beveling it to jump that bite and creating not just a resin turbo, but a functional resin turbo. I'm actually pushing those upper teeth forward. Again, triad gel has been uh, discontinued um, and uh, hopefully there will be a replacement. It worked perfectly well because it's 95% methacrylate, um, but I would consider using ultra band lock uh, as a substitute, uh, but I would not recommend using um, Transbon XT or Transbon LR or even flowable. So here we are creating that nice beveled functional plane to nudge those upper incisors forward. And this is an article 
uh, in the JCO uh, where the um, doctor is using a removable version. So if you really wanna make sure you're being safe, you can actually just use an Essex uh, with an anterior uh, bite plate component. So it doesn't have to be bonded. You can use a removable version too. Just uh, um, add a functional turbo on a stone model and do an Essex suck down. So you can use a bonded version or you can use a removable inclined plane to jump the bite. Consider this option. You will use this once a month in your practice. Uh, a great pearl by Dr. Roy King and Cameron Walker uh, is an old technique. It's called the atraumatic extraction technique. It probably originated in the 1930s when we were doing a lot of studying on hemophilic patients. Around this time, uh, tooth extraction on hemophiliac, hemophiliac patients uh, was very uh, traumatic with high morbidity. Um, and uh, what dentists and oral surgeons uh, discovered. And the one who is at the forefront is Walter William Dalich, who was from the University of Chicago at Rush Hospital, was that if you placed an elastic band around the tooth, the elastic band would uh, slide down the root of the tooth uh, and would cause periodontal destruction and the tooth would um, be able to be extracted without trauma and without bleeding. Now, the, the origin of the story is this, this happened about 50 or 60 years earlier in 1870 by accident by a dentist trying to close spaces orthodontically with an elastic band and cause loss of a central incisor. So the origin of the hemophilic or the atraumatic extraction technique is iatrogenic, but it works very well. And what we're doing here in this pearl is using an orthodontic elastic band to extract a deciduous tooth. So we're not extracting a permanent tooth. We're using it to extract a deciduous tooth. We all have patients who are too anxious to wiggle out their baby teeth, or they will not go to a pediatric dentist, or they will not let us wiggle it out. A nice compromise is to place an elastic band over the tooth, and the tooth will simply pop out within a few days. The elastic band will not go under the gums. It will not re-stretch over the succeeding uh, tooth that's coming through the, through, through the, through the gingiva. Uh, it usually is attached to the deciduous tooth. Uh, so here is a, a model from my practice where I put some baby teeth on a model showing you, and we're just taking an elastic band and placing it on the upper right D and the upper left E. So we're using an orthodontic elastic band. You can use separators, which work very well for anterior deciduous teeth to remove gingivally retained deciduous teeth. Here's an article, uh, illustration from an article that I wrote in the AJO. We're using a similar method. We're using an orthodontic elastic band wrapping it around a deciduous tooth. Within a week, the deciduous tooth just pops right out of the mouth. It does it painlessly. This is called the atraumatic technique or the hemophilic extraction technique. And it's been around for about 80 years or more. Here we are doing it on a case with incomplete root resorption. Uh, so this is uh, uh, pretty aggressive, but it worked still well. We put an elastic band on a tooth with incomplete root resorption. And within a week, the tooth just uh, extruded and popped out of the mouth. I would not do this technique on an ankylosed tooth. Um, I would not do this technique, um, you know, when really in, 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 in place of, uh, um, uh, you know, teeth that don't have succedaneous teeth next to it. Uh, this is really meant for gingively retained deciduous teeth. A great pearl uh, by Dr. Rhodes, King, and Dr. Nista 
is to close a relapsed diastema with elastic thread. So here they are using clear elastic thread. This is thread that you would use to bring in an ectopic canine and they're bonding it tooth to tooth and they're bonding it taut to the teeth. And within a week or two, the diastema will close very quickly. So some patients simply refuse to wear clear aligners for minor tooth movement. So if you have a patient with a relapsed diastema, consider bonding elastic thread to the labial surface of their teeth, bond it taut, and that gap will close pretty quickly. Make sure to have them come back within a week uh, and then place a bonded retainer. So a wonderful technique. Now in our office, if this happens, what I like to do is I will bond two metal buttons to the labial surface of the tooth. I will put two or three power chains and close that gap right then and there in the chair. And then what I like to do is what I call a double bonded lingual retainer. Where behind the teeth, I'm taking two strands of orthoflex tech and I'm almost using it like ribbon and I'm actually splinting them from behind. So in our office, uh, instead of using the pearl that you saw, which is a great pearl, I will bond two buttons on the labial. I'll quickly put a double pouch. And I like this technique much better than just holding it tight with my fingers. And then before I remove the buttons, I place a double bonded retainer, like a splint. I don't want them to floss that area. Uh, and then I'll remove the buttons and it works very well. Uh, a little kind of side pearl. I like to kind of always have a pearl within a pearl. It's like inception here. So here's what I want you to get is that when you have the patient lying down, a lot of times the goggles raise up because the goggles are too long and, and uh, the, the ear tabs are, 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 are touching the back of the chair. So if you just trim your goggles short, it prevents the goggles from pushing upward when the patient lies back on your chair. So a nice little pearl that you can see here uh, I have uh, a goggles and I've trimmed a little ear tab off of it. So the, go the goggles remain flat on the patient's face when they're lying backwards on the chair. Um, a great pearl uh, is to use a crimpable post when you are using your forceless appliance. So one of the problems with the forceless appliance is we like to overactivate them and that puts too much pressure on the bracket and causes the bracket to break. And when that happens, we have to start over and and, and build our wires back up because a lot of times that bracket breakage has caused the tooth to rotate. To prevent this from happening, place a crimpable post, same post that you would use for your surgical cases, between the brackets that you are placing your push rod. So if you look on image C, there is a crimpable post between the lower right three and four. So the push rod pushes against the crimpable post and can't put any pressure on that canine bracket. So here's a photo from my office and you can see the patient has a left side forces, but notice the crimpable post on the arch wire. The push rod is pushing against the crimpable post. So there's no risk that the lower left three bracket will break. This is one of my favorite pearls. I use this all the time. If you're a heavy forces user, consider using crimpable posts uh, uh, before the bracket to pre prevent that bracket from breaking from the push rod. And also try not to overactivate your forces if possible. An amazing pearl by Dr. Smith is about extrusion and rotation of a premolar. Now we all have these cases where the premolar erupts powdily and it erupts uh, rotated 45 degrees or more. Now the technique we're always taught is to add an open coil spring and to add a buckle 
uh, and lingual buttons and to rotate the teeth with two elastic chains. But this is a quicker pearl. And what Dr. Smith is doing is bonding an occlusal tube, bonding a molar tube on the occlusal and threading it through. You gotta make sure you thread it properly so it rotates in the orientation that you want. And in one visit, that premolar will extrude and rotate. So look what he's doing. He's putting a molar tube on the occlusal and threading a light night tie through it and that premolar quickly unravels. This works so well. The biomechanical control is not great. The tooth will extrude and tip a little buckly, but within one visit, you'll be able to bond a bracket to the buckle surface. So if we take a look at a patient from our practice, uh, you will see that we're using a headgear tube. Uh, we're bonding it on the occlusal and we're threading a light night tie through it. And in one visit, that tooth will extrude and rotate into proper place. Here's a different patient. Instead of a headgear tube, I'm just using an eyelet, but it works equally well. And in one visit, in three months, look how quickly that, that three months, that tooth completely rotated where I'm now able to bond a bracket to the buccal surface. One of my favorite pearls by Dr. Smith. Just truly, uh, right when I saw it, I said, this is just fantastic. Um, using a similar theme to rotate a tooth, a lot of times you don't have the room to place a bracket. Uh, so instead of placing a bracket uh, more to the mesial or wherever you can get the bracket to fit, consider bonding a crimpable tube. So here is a Dr. Masters who takes great photography. And what he's done is he's taken the crimpable tube off the arch wire and simply bonded the crimpable tube to the tooth and he's created a very small eyelet to help him rotate a canine when there's very little room to thread a wire through it. So a real creative technique to create um, an auxiliary using a crimpable tube. This was an article that I got to write with a number of local orthodontists where we take magic mouthwash and we try to make it easy to understand. You know, magic mouthwash has many different components, antihistamines, uh, antibacterials, anti-inflammatories. Uh, so all these different components, uh, and it's very confusing what is actually in Magic Mouthwash. If you call a compounding center and ask for Magic Mouthwash, that won't suffice. You actually have to tell them exactly what you want. So this is a simple pearl that helps you remember Magic Mouthwash. And the mnemonic is BMX, like the bike, because we're gonna be using Benadryl, Maalox, and xylocaine. So we're gonna be using uh, an antihistamine, Benadryl, uh, an antacid, Maalox, uh, and we're gonna be using uh, an anesthetic, xylocaine or liquid lidocaine. And it's very simple, it's an equal part mixture. So you're gonna be using the same milliliters of each one. So three part, uh, equal part mixture of Benadryl, Maalox and xylocaine, BMX. You're gonna have the patient rinse and spit uh, and uh, this is really meant to be used uh, per patient. So anytime you do a compounded pharmaceutical, you don't want to buy this stuff and store this in your office. Uh, you're supposed to write a specific prescription for a specific patient. Um, and this is wonderful if a patient gets many recurrent aphthous ulcerations. So here we are looking at the three main ingredients, Benadryl, the antihistamine, Maalox, the antacid, and then lidocaine or xylocaine. 
Uh, the Benadryl uh, is going to work on the inflammation, the irritation. The Maalox um, changes the pH. Okay, obviously, uh, changing the pH will affect uh, aphthous ulcerations, uh, but it also works by coating the mouth. And that's one of the secondary features that Maalox has. And then the liquid lidocaine creates that nice numbing. Now, if, if you don't have time to go to a compounding pharmacy, you could just mix, um, you could just mix Benadryl and Maalox and that will actually work very well. Uh, the, the lidocaine is just there for the numbing agent. You're not gonna swallow this, but remember equal part mixture, uh, okay? BMX or Xyloxadryl, that's just the portmanteau for Benadryl, Maalox, and liquid lidocaine. A great clinical pearl taught to me by Jeff Shirk is you can measure a bonded retainer on the outside of the teeth. So many staff members will eyeball measure their retainers, and in doing so, it's a little too long or a little too short, and it causes you to lose isolation as you are re-trimming your bonded retainer. But what you can do is measure the bonded retainer from the midpoint of one tooth to the mesial embrasure of the other tooth on the labial. And that will account for the thickness of the teeth on the lingual. So the midpoint of one tooth to the mesial embrasure on the labial is the same as the midpoint to midpoint on the lingual. So the midpoint to the mesial embrasure on the labial is the same as the midpoint to the midpoint on the lingual. And that works every time. It's a great way to consistently measure bonded retainers uh, and prevent them being a little too long or a little too short. It also works in the upper arch too. Uh, in our office, we like to use Bondabraid or Retanium in the upper arch, and I like OrthoFlex Tech in the lower arch. You do have about a 50% failure rate of upper bonded retainers and about a 20% failure rate of lower bonded retainers. We know that from research, so I encourage you guys to use overlays on top of them. Uh, I prefer uh, overlay Essex and circumferential hollies. This is our uh, retention protocol in our practice. A nice little pearl you can do is when you do your lower bonded retainers, have the acrylic cover that bonded retainer for protection. This also helps control your overbite. A great little pearl uh, by Dr. Melson is to take a mini screw and actually insert the mini screw horizontally in the area where you're trying to preserve the alveolar ridge. So many times we lose bone within the first six months on a tooth that is lost. And to preserve the buccal plate, what Dr. Melson is doing is placing the mini screw, not vertically, but horizontally, trying to go bicortically here and trying to preserve the bone. So it's a real genius usage of a mini screw. We're using a mini screw to preserve part of the dental alveolus in preparation for an implant. I saw this, I, I, it was, I thought it was such a simple pearl that was so brilliant. So instead of using the mini screw vertically to hold a pontic, they're using the pearl, they're using the mini screw horizontally under the pontic to preserve the ridge in preparation for a future implant. And in our office, what I like to do is if I have missing teeth, I actually create my own Maryland bridges. I call these a Maryland bridge-like retainer. So it's not a porcelain tooth, it's an acrylic tooth. It's made by an orthodontic lab. These are made by AOA labs. And I am simply bonding unprepped uh, uh, teeth. And it's a wonderful way to hold an implant space uh, in preparation um, for the patient to receive an implant later. 
So here we are with the patient with a missing lateral. Rather than using a flipper, I'm using a Maryland Bridge-like retainer, which is simply a bonded retainer with a uh, denture tooth on it. You could put that mini implant right above it if you wanted to and combine these two pearls. Hi everybody, Neil Kravitz here. Today I'm gonna to show you how to make a very quick laboratory contact using your stone model. It's really an outdated technique with 3D printers, but if you don't have your 3D printer, this is a nice quick technique that we use to make a contact in our office. You can certainly build it up with flowable. That's what I used to do. But now I will take an old Invisalign tray. This is someone's Invisalign uh, from their box that they did not pick up. This has been in our office for a number of months now. And I will try to size up the Pontic as close as possible. So I'm simply going to cut the aligner. And I will use that Pontic as a template to fit on the tray. So we're just going to fill it up with flowable, believe it or not, bracket adhesive paste works really well. So if you just use your transbond, uh, that would work really, really well. I'll put it here. And then you will actually have a really nice, quick, easy pontic that works really well and has a high level of aesthetics. Thank you so much. So what I'm using is old Invisalign aligners from a different patient, you know, that just were never picked up and I'm using it as a template to make uh, pontic teeth for somebody else. Uh, so here we are showing another uh, case where um, uh, I'm using someone else's Invisalign, just Invisalign aligners that we have in our office that are unused. Um, I'm putting bracket adhesive paste in there and I'm using the tray as a template to make an immediate pontic and you get incredible aesthetics. It actually snaps in, it fits so well. So it's very uh, sta stable and sturdy. It's a nice way as an alternative to making a denture tooth. I encourage you to try to do that in your practice. Okay, use an Invisalign template tray uh, to make a pontic. Uh, this is a variation of a pearl that I wrote uh, for the JCO. And there's a video of this pearl online in which I am making a pontic using a mixing pad. I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Thank you again for this incredible opportunity. Neil, unbelievable. <laughs> do, you, do you stay up at night and think of some of this stuff? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Well, and we had, there's so many incredible contributions. And actually, mm -hmm. Ken, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I love helping people get published. I needed help when I just started writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it, it's heartbreaking because I want all these pearls to get published. You could almost create an entire journal on pearls. Uh, um, and uh, and uh, these are only some of them. There's so many great ones out there. And uh, I always find that anytime I pick up the JCO, the first thing I go to is the Pearl section. And I reread them, even though I improved it in its original format. Great. I just love that section so much. So Neil, if any of our listeners have a Pearl, something they've come up with in their own office and would like to share it, how, how do they go about that? Yeah, so you can certainly send it to me uh, and I'll pass it along. Mm -hmm. But the JCO has a portal 
uh, and uh, and that's how it, it they'll format it properly before they send them to me, and that's what I encourage you. But it's a wonderful way to get involved in writing. So uh, we all have ideas, we all have so many ideas, and many pearls are really um, unoriginal. They're really they, they they've been around forever. They're they're modifications of older pearls. So it's really hard to take credit um, for any of them. But but um, that's okay. Just write. And um, I think uh, they have such a, a, a long reach. People all over the world love them so mm -hmm. much. So I would encourage you to go to the JCO, submit them, and I will do everything in my power to try to get them published. That's great. You know, and of course, what we all know about pearls is you can use them tomorrow. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And listening to this, it's I, there were two things that I saw in your presentation tonight that I saw today in my office. And I said, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of trying that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's a, and that's the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so awesome. much for this incredible opportunity. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kravis, for sharing your real life clinical pearls with us. Thank you. I'm sure that our attendees will find your stories applicable to their daily lives and practices. And to our audience, thank you all for joining us tonight. And please be sure to take the test and complete the session evaluation in order to receive your CE credits for this session. Neil, Dr. Neil Kravitz, once again, thanks so much for being here with us at the NISO thank Experience. You. And good night, everybody. Thank you, guys.